coming up, the Philadelphia Phillies keep Aaron Nola. The St. Louis Cardinals attempt to add some starting pitching. And did Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna Jr. deserve their unanimous MVPs? Find out our thoughts coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What is going on ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Episode 117, Alex and I are coming to you. It is Tuesday night, November 21st, a couple days away till the big turkey day, AJ. What do you got on that plate? Give me a little preview. What are you, you going to load up on? Of course, turkey is going to be the staple. I'm always doing turkey. My favorite side has always been like brown sugar yams, just one of my favorites, some sort of sweet potato, something like that. Always very good. Probably some cream, cream corn going to be on the plate. Um, also got to figure out the beverage plan. That's also kind of a key component that, oh, you're right, yeah. you know, just got to figure, just got to, you know, I got to think on that a little bit. You know, I'm not quite ready for, for the big day yet. I got to still do some, <laughs> some pregame, uh, pre- preparation. Do you go with the, the popular cider beverage, you know, maybe a spiked cider or just kind of keep it traditional. If you are a wine guy, still stay with that. Or if you are a beer guy, what kind of beer are you going for? You're going for the, you know, more citrusy type, the. Uh, the lager you're going for the heavy porter um you know the uh the the choices are endless so uh that's that's the beautiful thing about uh thanksgiving i do feel bad for all plumbers on black friday the day after they must have a pretty busy day but uh we'll uh we'll kick things off aj with this episode uh start off with uh some of the awards that we did not cover last time or we kind of did preview but we didn't know the results of them just yet so uh, since we last recorded, we knew or we, we what was announced was the uh, managers of the year for both leagues, the rookies of the year, and then the Cy Youngs in both leagues. We did not get to get we didn't, we didn't get a chance to at least see who won this uh, the MVPs uh, since our last recording. But ever since then, it's been announced. And Alex, I mean, pretty obviously, the guys that took it home were first off they were unanimous, which was pretty cool to see. The first time in history, I believe, where two guys in both leagues. Um, or a guy in each league uh, got every single vote from the from the baseball writers to win that award. So uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves, unanimous NL MVP with his historic season showing the power and the speed component. And then uh, the unicorn Shohei Otani, no doubt in anybody's mind, he locked up that award, it seemed like in June, Alex. Uh, the Vegas odds were just getting heavier and heavier. So he was the unanimous MVP which, uh, which Ale- I, I will, I do say, I'm very glad that uh, he did get the unanimous uh, vote because I was, wor- you know, I wasn't worried he wasn't going to win it. I knew that was a lock, but I was worried that will there be one voter that says, you know, Angels suck. He didn't finish the season. Um, you know, guys that you know made the playoffs were very, you know, instrumental in their success. Maybe Corey Seager's the guy I get. The, I give a vote to. But what do you make so far? And what do you make of the MVP votes and the uh, the winners? Yeah, Otani, unanimous, uh, obviously super deserved, no complaints. Um, The second and third place being Seager and Semyon, I think also makes a lot of sense. I think just off first glance, Semyon kind of stands out. I was like, oh, was he really the third best guy? But Semyon's war really um, continues to be off the charts. He just seems to always sneak into the top three, Alex. I feel like... Yeah, he's he's been a really good fielder the last, you know ever since like 2019 uh, till now um, the defensive uh, value is a big boost for him playing middle infield at a high level. Um, he runs the base as well. Not, not stealing a crazy amount of bases. He just had 14 this last season, but you know, that's still a threat on the base paths, a positive value as a base runner. Um, and then the offense is, you know, well above average, uh, especially as a middle infielder. Um, and he plays like every game. He plays 700, 753 plate appearances during the regular season. Uh, as we both have mentioned, he also set the record all time for plate appearances in a regular season plus playoffs all in one year, calendar year. Um, so a really special year for Semyon. But postseason, postseason uh, excluded, just looking at regular season only, seeing him at third place, I think actually does make quite a bit of sense. 
Um, so Travis, that's AL out of the way. NL, yes, Acuna winning makes a lot of sense. I completely agree with you. However, I think the unanimous was definitely surprising to me. I think that what Mookie Betts did this year was worthy of like, I'm surprised there wasn't one writer who said like, you know what, like, despite the milestone of Acuna with 40 homers, over 40 homers and over 70 stolen bases, what Betts did um, was almost identical in terms of offensive. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the, the WRC plus, uh, it's 167 for Betts and 170 for Acuna. So slight edge to Acuna and the stolen bases is an edge to Acuna by far, but the base running value is much more comparable. It, it has it finds problems with i think acuña's ability to get extra bases or maybe get thrown out in the base pass a little too much um and then the defense is like a huge separator between the two um the defensive value for acuña is extremely negative i think he probably saves a lot of his legs for the base paths as opposed to in the outfield and i think he probably does not dive as much um, you know, out there in right field as well. Um, he used to play center at, at a pretty uh, decent level. And I think ever since, you know, last couple of seasons, since his injury in right field, I think he's kind of taken it a foot off the gas a little bit out there. And there could be a good reason for that. If it's for body preservation, I don't think he's just like lost the ability to track the ball or anything, but I think he just has been making fewer plays according to some of the advanced metrics. Um, and with that being said, Betts is one of the best right fielders um i mean in history defensively but definitely yeah. definitely of this generation definitely was a really good right fielder this year um and then he wasn't by the metrics just to be fair he wasn't an amazing uh defensive middle infielder um compared to other middle infielders but i think to have that versatility and to be able to play right field at a high level even make appearances in center field and then to make up starts at both second base and at shortstop is just something that we don't see really today especially from a guy who um has been playing right field his whole career at a, at a gold glove level just to be like oh yeah like i'll just i'll just switch and it's funny how the dodgers had the similar case with bellinger being a first baseman and when someone's a first baseman, I feel like you kind of think of them as like, oh, he's probably not a good defender, so he's stuck there. He's just on this team for his bat. And Bellinger gets put in right field and he wins a gold glove. He yeah. gets put in center and becomes one of the best center fielders in the sport. Um, so uh, that being said about Betts, I think super underrated. And their their Fangraphs war, Betts and Acuna, exactly tied at 8.3. So I think either of those guys, I would have been completely happy if either uh, guy won. I think that Acuna with the milestone, it made him this runaway, which, you know, I think it's very impressive. I wish Betts got a little bit more love, but um, he he locked up second place very solidly. So mm -hmm. not too much to complain about. Just want to give Betts some love while we're on the topic. And then Freeman getting that third place spot um, makes a lot of sense. It felt like a three horse race with, you know, Freeman kind of fading away from the top two, but you know, a decent step ahead of fourth place, which was Matt Olson. Um, Travis, Matt Olson might have one of the better offensive seasons of our life that did not even get a top three finish. Yeah. He he really got, you know, snubbed because there was such good offensive performances ahead of him. But um yeah, that being said, um I like the top threes for each. The top threes uh in each award for MVP or the top three in Fangraphs war for each league. So uh no major complaints not too bad from the voters yeah well put and uh one thing that's that jumped out to me is you know we we saw the atlanta braves with such a historic season offensively they have three of their guys inside the top seven for mvp you have austin riley finishing seventh matt olson finishing fourth and then of course ronald acuna jr finishing first overall but uh yeah to me it just seemed like the nl uh hitting wise seemed a little bit more stacked uh across the board than the american league of course shohei otani was one of the best hitters in the american league but after you know sammy and seager it does kind of drop off you know i, I did see yandy diaz he finished six which it's funny to look at him because he had a uh, impressive war he was right up there with kyle tucker and julio rodriguez but he had an ops that was better than both of those guys and the war was pretty pretty similar but uh he finishes he finished behind Julio and Kyle Tucker for sixth place in AL MVP voting. And then the rookie of the year, Gunnar Henderson, he got eighth place in voting. And that's one guy that actually is kind of interesting because he had a better war than everybody who did not finish uh, in the top three. So he had the best uh, positional war 
uh, outside the top three for MVP voters and also a OPS very comparable to a guy like Julio Rodriguez. So uh, interesting enough that maybe the voters didn't want to give the uh, the young guy too much love in his first year, but uh, he did help Baltimore get to a, um, a division title. So uh, it's always interesting to see kind of how the criteria of the voters, uh, how it weighs differently in, in, in different years. If, if they really want to look at uh, team success as being a huge factor, then they can. But also, if they want to look at just the individual stats, they can as well. But clear as day, I mean, Shohei Otani, a 10 war. Uh, if you ever get to a double digits in war, Alex, that's that's a pretty easy telling sign that you should be the MVP that season. That's just uh, that's remarkable uh, from from that from that you know aspect. And, but, and uh, uh, looking at Fangraphs war, Otani as just a DH who only played 135 games because he missed the last few weeks to get surgery led the American League in, in Fangraphs war. I yep. mean, as a DH who didn't even play the full season and to edge out guys like Samin and Seager, who Seager had the injury as well that, that slowed it down his uh, war accrual. But Samin played every single game, had the uh, most played appearances in baseball yep. and played, you know, as we just said, at a high level. And Otani to be able to edge him out as a DH, which gets very little pretty much gets uh gets kind of shafted by war in many ways uh, rightfully so in some cases but otani being the pitcher and the hitter that he is i mean just as a batter he would have been possibly he should have been top three in war i'm sure they would have found a, found a way to give it to a guy who played the the full year or something like that but yes yes and, and also looking at you know playing a full season uh you know only 135 games played uh at the plate but if you look at a you know basically that last month if he's playing healthy you're looking at a guy that will lead the American League in home runs, will lead the American League in RBIs, will lead the American League in walks, will lead the American League in most likely on base and also slugging percentage, which also translates to OPS. So all these all these stats that you believe the American League in would also, you know, it would just give him a heavier case to win the award. But he already took all 30 votes. So. Uh, no harm and no foul done there. But uh, last point on the MVP conversation, Travis. I just saw a good post um, by at MLB on Twitter, and I just wanted to run it by you. Which current MLB star? And sorry, this was tweeted just yesterday. Which current MLB star has the best chance to win their first MVP award next season? Best chance. Um, and the names they list as the best active players without an MVP award, Nolan Arenado, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Francisco Lindor, Manny Machado, Jose Ramirez, Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, Juan Soto. And you don't have to pick from that list either. It could be yeah, anyone. Yeah, just yeah. if you had to pick someone who hasn't already won, uh, just off the top of your head and anyone come to mind that stands out. Yeah. I mean, the first two, uh, I, I don't, th I think Arenado's days are kind of over for winning the MVP. Or it, it would take a real big comeback year. Yeah. It would, it would, I know he has the glove. He can win a platinum glove next year and he could be, you know, the best, the best defensive player in major league baseball easily. I'm not saying that, but I think with the offensive numbers, it would, again, it would take a big year for him to get back into it. Vladdy, you know, I, I've seen some inconsistency and ever since 2021, I really haven't seen the hitting that he brought that year uh, to be, uh, you know, repeated in uh, 2022 or 2023. But uh, out of all those people, Alex, I mean, I think one Soto has got to be the obvious guy um, every single year. He is going to be nearing or at least accomplishing uh, that six war threshold. And that's getting yourself into the conversation at least. And then of course, with his hitting being one of the best hitters, uh, in baseball at his age, I mean, it really. It, I think there's no other uh, better answer that you could that you could provide right there. I just feel like he is a guy that's uh, that is lurking with that MVP. He's kind of like Acuna before this year. Acuna, so many years, was always finishing in these you know top five or top three uh, uh, positions, and and even in 2021 when he tore his ACL, he was on pa on pace to win the MVP, but uh, the injury came uh, came about and that stopped him from winning it but i think uh juan soto's got to be the guy for me that makes sense um i if i had to pick someone i would probably go off the list and uh actually go for fernando tatis jr okay he's someone travis who i am already just like buying stock for next yep. year yep. his uh ops plus the wrc plus they were a bit down um this year but he was coming off of course surgery and coming off injury coming off suspension over a year having not played the sport i think all that being considered um as well as missing part of the beginning of the season not getting to have a normal spring training or a normal ramp up to the season i think that all of that 
tells me that's that's the reason why his offense was a bit down this year. I could completely see him having one of the best uh, bats in baseball next year. And now that he's playing right field at a platinum glove level, and he could definitely steal upwards of 20, 30 bases, if not more, depending yeah. on just how aggressive he wants to be on that front. If, if he wanted to, he could replicate Acuna this year. My thought exactly, and 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 with that being said, uh, you know, combining, you know, maybe maybe you strike out a bit more, and maybe you don't steal as many bases, uh, but you're going to play better defense. So I think that there's a good um, case to be made for Tatis having a MVP in his near future. Your pick of Soto is awesome though, because I think we're just due in the next two or three seasons. Um, I'm not sure when exactly. Soto's going to have a monster year. He's yeah. going to have a year where the offense just all clicks. He's going to have like half half of a season where he's batting like Barry Bonds, I feel like. I feel yeah. like he's just due for it. On base it. of like 480. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think that it's going to happen at some point here. He's just so talented at the plate. And um, every year we kind of think it's about to happen. He'll have like a hiccup of a couple months where uh, the bat is just kind of not um, not consistent throughout the full uh, the full 162 games. So, and isn't it wild as well? I look at these MVP voting um, standings, and I see four Padres. Uh, I got Soto, Snell, Hasem Kim, and Fernando Tatis Jr. All of these guys were inside the top 15 for uh, MVP of the National League. It's funny. All four of these guys, Alex, finished with the WAR at 5.5 or above. And just looking at that, and then how bad the Padres were. It just again. I'll circle this here as just saying I don't understand what happened because all of the metrics and, and you know, underlining um, stats just pointed to this team should be really good, but it just did not translate that way. So uh, funny kind of year to look at with San Diego with all of these, you know, great statistical numbers in the overall, you know, the the, the result that is, you know, going to weigh the heaviest at the end of the day is going to be the wins and the losses. And that number just did not um correlate with uh with some of these other uh, you know metrics on the uh, pitching side and on the hitting side so it's just an interesting little uh stat to look at yeah and even you mentioned those four guys and even machado who had a big down year by his standards um by the standards of the average player in my mind still a really a really good year a three and a half fan graphs war um a well above average hitter i mean uh, an above average hitter at 114 WRC plus it's much below where he wants to be but I think just looking at the offense being where it was and then also looking at the defense being you know elite at third base um it's just crazy how the four guys you mentioned plus Machado plus uh, a good closer in in, in uh and plus Bogarts <laughs> <laughs> Bogarts had a, had an above average year as well, and then you look at a guy like a hater closing uh, for the team this year. It is really crazy to see them not be able to make the playoffs um, given all that talent. But Travis, let's keep it rolling here. Um, where should we go next? Let's go to the uh, the final manager that was announced. Uh, actually, I think it was earlier today, uh, if not late last night. But uh, I heard this morning the news. But uh, Padres hired uh, ex Cardinals manager Mike Schilt to be their manager moving forward. Uh, again, he is a uh, he's a manager that I, I I will admit, I think he got a little bit of a premature firing uh, back in, I think it was 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and uh, he led the Cardinals to a National League Championship Series uh, in 2019. 2020, I believe they lost in the first round of the Padres in San Diego. And then in 2021, that was that year, Alex, where he had that like, magic oh no maybe it wasn't 2021 i'm trying to think of the year where they won like 2019 games in 2021 2021 okay and that was the game that was the year where i think like adam wainwright wainwright had like his last like good year and yeah uh, he, and he started had, that wild card he game. had his last good start i think that's I think right it was that wild card game <laughs> that's right the so uh who, uh, who had the chris taylor uh yes in that's the, right in the, yeah. that's right i'm trying to think that's already i think he walked years i think ago. he walked it off yeah that's right and uh so uh uh, Schilt was fired after that wild card game, which is unfortunate. I mean, they they weren't a I wouldn't I wouldn't say they weren't a great team that year. They just got on a really good hot streak, and maybe they could ride that in the playoffs. But uh, they lost in that wild card game, and then of course uh, he was fired. And the new manager, I think it's uh, Marmol, is the new guy for the uh, the Cardinals. But uh, he is now the manager of the San Diego Padres. Uh, do you like the hire, Alex? What do you think about that? What do you think if uh, he can do maybe to fix what was the problem was last year? Do you think he'll do better than Bob Melvin? Yeah, I don't like the way 
that the manager was handled by the Padres this offseason. A lot of that just has to go with Melvin leaving the team. I think the fact that Melvin was successful with Oakland and then the fact that he was so desperately desired by San Francisco Giants, two teams who I think are very smart, well-run in terms of the front office. You know, obviously the A's, we have their qualms about the spending. But looking at just the front office, their decision-making, I think there's a lot to like about um, Bob Melvin and just the way he's desired by... Um, organizations who I respect the opinion of, whereas the Padres, Travis, they let him go very easily. And also they uh, opted for a guy who has the postseason experience, like you said in Schilt, but um, in, in my mind is not, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to act like I, I know a lot about his, you know, w w what's going to happen this year with them. But I just think that there's a lack of a proven element. And there's also kind of a lack of, um, I, I'll just put it this way. He hasn't done anything to win me over, really, uh, in, in Schilt. Um, and he definitely could have an awesome year this year. But but my biggest problem is this. The letting go of Melvin, in my mind, was the first step of this problem because the Padres were, in my mind, actually really good this year and just had a lot of bad luck. I mean, their run differential was heavily positive despite the fact that they were just trying to barely crawl their way into the wild card and weren't able to do so. I think that if you run this season, you know, 10 times for them, I think they make the playoffs like in seven of them or something like that. It would be my guess. And of course, sometimes you're just going to have a bad year. And that wasn't on Melvin. And I think that running it back with Melvin would have been a really good choice. You know, maybe there's something to be said about the locker room, the clubhouse. Maybe some of the players um, were not uh, clicking or connecting with, with Bob Melvin. But I just think that based on the way that this season went for them, I don't feel like they necessarily scapegoated Melvin, but in my mind, it kind of feels that way to some extent, just given the fact that they let him go so easily and they're bringing in now a new voice, even though I feel like last season's team um, should have been able to compete and would probably compete if they had another chance this year. So I'm, I'm mixed on it, as you can see. I don't feel super strongly against Schilt. I just feel like the whole situation was not handled very well by the Padres. I'm sure they'll be aggressive again in their offseason spending here. I think they're going to have a talented team next year, but they're going to lose some guys. They're probably not going to be able to keep, you know, Snell and Hayter and still add talent and stuff like that. So I sure will have his work cut out for him because there's obviously a lot of, you know, I don't want to say egos, but there's a lot of big personalities in, on that team with Machado and Tatis coming back now. They're going to have to figure out the Soto situation if they're going to trade him. So, so many question marks with the Padres right now that I'm not sure bringing in a new coach is another question mark that you wanted to introduce to next season, but they're going to be doing it. And I wish Schultz the best of luck. Yeah, I, uh, I do too. And uh, we'll see what he can do. If he can again, prove uh, that he, you know, is a successful manager like he, uh, like he did in, in a small sample size with the, uh, with the Cardinals in the, uh, in the late to the 2010s uh, of the, of the Cardinals run. But uh I guess other coaching news, Alex, uh, we covered every single manager. Everyone's kind of been filled up now for uh, for the managerial hires and uh, some just some small news. Uh, you know, a guy that managed our team for a year, but Brad Osmus has been hired by the New York Yankees to be on their bench staff. I think he's going to be their official bench coach. So um, he, I know he spent some time in the Oakland A's uh, franchise or in the organ organization with Oakland. But now he'll get a chance to go over to New York. And honestly, it's I think it's a good move because, you know, th the next step up from that is going to be, uh, you know, probably another managerial hire. Uh, he already has experience. And going back to the bench coach, he's kind of starting this process all over again. But at least he should be able to get an opportunity maybe in the coming years uh, to uh, to get another job in in, uh, in managing a baseball team. So. That's just something I wanted to cover, Alex. Anything on uh, on that? Nothing big. No, I just I've said it before. I like Osmus. I think he deserves a shot to coach a big league team. I think he's going to get good experience, um, being in the in the clubhouse in the dugout with that Yankees team. I'm sure the Yankees will be competitive as they always try to be, and uh, I hope them the best as well. Yep. And so uh, that kind of covers all the managerial uh, hires and uh, you know administrative moves for that. Alex, we can now kind of jump into the main portion of the episode and uh, just go over the signings that have already happened. We've already seen a couple free agents off the board, uh, some extensions being offered. And uh, yeah, so we'll kind of start with 
I guess the biggest guy that um, that was on the market, at least one of the biggest pitchers available on the market, and he is a uh, tremendous postseason pitcher. I'll say that. But uh, Aaron Nola, he is going back to Philly. He signed, I believe it was a seven-year deal. And uh, so it looks like he'll be finishing his career in uh, the Philadelphia Phillies uh, organization, uh, which is you know good for him that he's actually staying true and wants to still deliver and bring a championship back to Philadelphia. So that's the first guy we can discuss. Alex, what were your thoughts? Um, what do you think this means for the Phillies moving forward, at least? Yeah, I'm, I've been high on Nola. Uh, throughout the whole course of this podcast, I think he's had some bad luck. I think a part of the bad luck he's received in his career has had to do with that Phillies defense behind him. Um, I think in many ways they've tried to improve that. Um, Stott is a plus defender. Marsh is a plus defender. They have young players that are trying to play good defense for them. Um, the additions of guys like Schwarber, Castellanos, Bohm, um, a good period of time there, their shortstop was a uh, rotation between um, guys who couldn't really play good defense. Uh, I think all that being said, I, I, I guess I'll put it this way. I think that um, regardless of how good the defense is behind him this in the, in the coming years of this contract, I'm still very high on who Nola is as a pitcher. I think that he, I read something about him being offered more money potentially by teams like I think the Braves, if I'm not mistaken, and, mm -hmm. and like the Cardinals, mm -hmm. and they actually um, he actually opted to stay in, in Philadelphia. So not sure if that's a loyalty thing, if that's a comfort thing with the family being there or something like that. Not sure if he feels like there's unfinished business, but either way, I think it's definitely a good piece of business by the Phillies for them because it seems like they got him at a slightly cheaper uh, dollar amount than what other teams might have paid for him, and I think. That's all you can really ask for. I mean, you're trying to compete for a World Series in you know next season and the coming seasons. You need pitchers that you can trust to pitch the you know as much of the season as possible. Nola has been able to eat innings in several seasons of his career, and he's been able to be relatively consistent. Even though sometimes the ERA is not uh, phenomenal, it's always at least usually good. And even um, when it is just good. Uh, I still think he's bringing so much upside and it just maybe the defense behind him, maybe some bad luck with balls in play, but he's been tremendous at limiting walks throughout his career, especially in recent years um, and gets a bit of strikeouts as well. So I'm high on Nola. I think it's a good piece of, of business by the Phillies and I still feel like they're going to make more big swings. So excited to see what they do next. Yeah, they have, uh, they've been pretty aggressive uh, the last couple of off seasons. So, uh, and honestly, even if it's like the Bryce Harper contract where, you know, Bryce is good in the regular season, but he really makes his money in the postseason. I mean, you look at that contract right now, Alex, and you will say it is not at all waste with what he's doing in the postseason in the big moments. So Nola has delivered in the big moments as well in the postseason. So that contract should be worth uh, every penny that they uh, that they give to him. But we'll stay in the National League East, uh, the rival Atlanta Braves, Alex, you know, back to back postseasons of early exits the philadelphia phillies have just been their arch nemesis uh their kryptonite of consistently eliminating them in uh in the first round at least for the braves with always getting that first round by the wild card by uh when it comes for their first time to play in the postseason they always seem to stumble and it's always to the philadelphia phillies but they added on as well they made a couple moves they got uh, reliever Reynaldo Lopez and he, it's actually funny because all the graphics I see of Reynaldo it's either him wearing a Guardians jersey or it's him wearing a White Sox jersey but really funny that he actually spent three weeks with the Angels and I think I saw one graphic with him as an in an Angels jersey yes. but uh, just uh, just a side little thing there but Reynaldo Lopez uh, is going to be going to the Atlanta Braves and then Alex I'm blanking on the last guy right now I tried pulling him up but was it Bummer? Have you said Bummer? I did not say Bummer. That's right. Bummer uh, was acquired in a trade. So uh, interesting enough, Mike Soroka, which Alex, I've been pretty high on. We we had some pretty good discussions back in like 2019. Mike Soroka was an outstanding guy. I mean, he was their ace. He was their young guy before, you know, I know they had Ian Anderson. They also had... Um, before Freed even. Before Freed. He was the guy that they leaned on and that he was going to basically be the ace of this staff for the next decade it felt like but just with so many injuries he could never get settled and 
time came and the Braves kind of had to make a decision to say, hey, we're going to move on from you. We're going to get some pieces that we can see being beneficial for us to winning our, you know, our second World Series in three seasons. But they trade him to the, I believe it's the White Sox, right? And yeah. the White Sox, uh, of course, some other players as well to go along with Soroka. It was a handful of players. I think it was also, um, I'm blanking on the name, <sighs> Royals infielder. Oh, Nicky, Nicky Lopez. Nicky Lopez, Nicky yes. Lopez, that's right. Yeah, and, he uh, went to the Braves last year, and now he's going to the White Sox. Correct, correct. So, uh, Nicky Lopez, Mike Soroka, a couple other guys are going to be leaving the Braves, going to the White Sox. And then in return, the White Sox handed over bummer to the uh to the atlanta braves which again two big moves to bolster that um that bullpen they also already have um you know ricel iglesias who we're very familiar with a great closer so they should be uh they should be pretty locked down hopefully uh next year in the um in the bullpen and it just seems like you know some of these moves you might look at and say you know oh my god they're spending too much money on the bullpen but i feel like the braves are a very smart team they know what they're getting in certain guys. Um, and uh, I definitely can see both those guys having huge, huge impacts next year coming out of the bullpen for Atlanta. But uh, a uh, an interesting start for the Atlanta Braves to start the uh, the offseason. You know, usually you like to see, you know, pitchers or, you know, infielders. But I'm sure they'll make some more moves coming up. But uh, those are two guys that they'll start the offseason off with. But what do you make so far of that bullpen? Yeah, I think it's all good moves. Um, actually, one other thing that they did also adds to the bullpen. Um, I just was scrolling through my old texts and I found that I sent this link at one point. But basically, um, they're sending Kyle Wright, who... At some points in time, Travis, people were raving as like a Scion right. contender. I, think, I la think last year he was like through April and May, he was like ERA leader, I think. Probably, yeah, yeah top three in Cy Young, yeah. And I think a lot of that was kind of noisy. I think a lot of people, I'm sure in the Braves organization as well as people, um, smart people in the media were kind of knew that that would die off um, just based on some of the underlying numbers here. But he underwent soldier, shoulder surgery and will miss the 2024 season. And they trade him to the Royals for right-handed reliever Jackson Coer. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But basically, um, Coer is someone who, uh, if you look at the numbers, Travis, the ERA is not pretty. Um, negative Fangraphs war every season. Uh the ERAs aren't good. Uh, 6.43 last year. Year before it was in the nines, and year before that it was in the 11s. But he's a, a younger guy. I mean, he's, he's 27, so he's not younger, but he's he's newer to the league. He's only thrown um, 74 career innings pitched. Um, and I think Travis, you said it well a minute ago. You said the the Atlanta Braves know what they're getting when they go for these guys, and I think that's a, a great way to put the fact that. They aren't just looking at the ERA and saying, we need to add bullpen arms, get this guy. No, I think they've done their research, their homework. They know what they're getting when they go for a guy like this. Um, it's, they're, they're, they're losing someone in Kyle Wright who they probably didn't see as a part of their future anyways. And so they're going to say, okay, let's turn him into something right now that's going to help us win these next couple seasons. And they probably see that out of a bullpen arm like Coer. Um, also, uh, bummer, you mentioned. Not a good ERA last year either at all, but the stuff is really, really good. Um, his, the way his pitches move, his sidearm delivery, it's all, it all uh, tells me um, good reliever, if not great reliever season incoming for him. I think he'll be really uh, important for them. If, no, if nothing else, Travis, as a, as a specialist, as a lefty, um, going to be good for them. And then the last name, oh, uh, Reynaldo Lopez. I read something interesting about him because I think they're giving him a three-year deal with ten million a year, which yes. seems like a it's like lot. Three for thirty, yep. which seems like a lot. But I read that they're looking to stretch him out. And someone said, like, as a starter, quote unquote. But I think it, it, realistically, he's probably going to be like an inning eater, like a three innings in a game kind of guy. Maybe four innings sometimes. Maybe use an opener with him. I'm not exactly sure what their plan is going to end up being, but they mentioned they want to stretch him out and use him to start games sometimes. So um, they definitely see something with him that they really like. I was really high on him when the Angels went out there and got him. The fastball is really really good. It's it's high velocity. It, it's it's it gets lots of swings and misses. There's a, actually one clip of him striking out Acuna on a fastball down the middle. I think. And Acuna swings right through it and like falls to a knee or something. And someone said that's the moment they knew they were gonna go get this guy in the offseason. <laughs> but but um I like the additions, Travis. 
a lot of it has to do with my respect for the Braves process that they go through when they uh, figure out who they're going to add to that team. They're obviously really smart, and I think that these additions will all be impactful for them. But I do think they're going to go and make more moves here. I don't think they can take their foot off the gas just knowing that other teams are going to be hungry in that NL East. It's a it's a super competitive division, so yeah, I, I do agree. They If they want to win another division title, they're going to have to probably make some other moves as well, even though that team and that offense already is so stacked. I know they're, they, they've been, there have been whispers, at least, that they are, are looking at a guy even like uh, Sonny Gray to hopefully come over and bolster that rotation that's already so so good when healthy but alex will stay in the national league a couple other moves that happened so far but uh some free agency moves two pitchers going to the st louis cardinals uh not the most attractive uh free agents on the market alex i'll say but uh lance lynn going back to st louis where i think he left back in uh the early 2010s and then uh kyle gibson going to st louis as well i believe both guys are on uh, one-year deals with the Cardinals so I we have we have this problem every year Alex we always say the Cardinals just don't like to spend the money on starting pitching and I'll say they did it so far this offseason but just not the right guys I mean I, I don't know what to really make of these moves I guess they're they're two guys they're hoping that a could either really help them you know catch fire and get back into the playoff hunt for the 2024 season Maybe they're guys that just do pretty that, you know, are pretty average or at least pretty decent that could be trade bait pieces later on in the season, even though I don't think that's going to be the case. But what do you make so far of this? It's kind of confusing uh, to think that they would go after these two guys so early. And it almost feels like the Cardinals feel like that they're that they're, you know, offseason is almost complete with just these guys. Uh, what do you make of it so far? I, I just am a little fuzzy on it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. We continuously get on two of those teams in the NL Central. We get on the Milwaukee Brewers for not adding impactful hitters to their team, and we get on the St. Louis Cardinals for not adding impactful starting pitching to their team. Um, I think there's a case to be made that you don't need to have an insane rotation in order to make your way into the playoffs in that NL Central. But I think we look at some of the arms that the Brewers are going to have um, and the way the Cubs are looking to try to compete this coming year. I think you definitely need to add more than just Lance Lynn and uh, and Gibson. I, I think that there is some level of upside with both those guys, but it's they're both just classic Cardinals additions where you could totally see them having a 4-5 ERA and, you know, 160, 170 innings pitched. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I I expect, I hope for Cardinals fans' sake that they add a bit more there in terms of the starting pitching, especially with all the names on the market. You know, I'm not sure that they're in on uh, Yamamoto. I know that he uh, was a teammate with um, with uh, Newt Bar in the World Baseball Classic, so there could be a tie there, but. They already missed on Nola, as we know. Um, they're not really rumored to be in on Otani. Uh, so I'm not really sure what starting pitcher. I mean, they could go Snell, I guess. But I'm not really sure what their big target is going to be. It seems like they might not have a super big fish they're going to try to catch. So, you know, we'll see what they want to do next year. I think that in order to compete, this year wasn't acceptable. And I think that the way they gave the money to you know, Wainwright last year to be a really well below average pitcher and then to give a quite a quite a big sum in my mind to the combined Lynn and Gibson. Um, I think it's it's over 20 million for two guys that I could see both being, you know, below average. And it's 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 a it's a, it's a tough spot if you're a Cardinals fan and you're hoping for really impactful additions. These are not the guys you're really looking for. That being said, if they continue to add, you know, the more depth at the MLB level is not a bad thing. I think Gibson has uh, potential for some level of impact. Um, and Lynn Travis last year had um, upside in certain situations. The Dodgers clearly saw that when they went for him. But the fact that the Dodgers couldn't really turn him into something that was going to be a sustainable piece of their future tells me that, you know, uh, not, not, not a ton of optimism. I'll just put it that mm -hmm. way. So um, yeah, overall, it just feels very classic Cardinals. And I think Cardinals fans are probably getting a little sick of the way that they kind of flirt with the idea of adding Nola 
and then they just end up with this. And I think like last year, Travis, I was telling them they should go get Rodon. They should go get a guy like Gosman um, the year before that. And and I think that um, I wouldn't say whiffing, but almost not even going hard enough for some of these really good starting pitchers is 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 a problem um, that they will probably have to pay for if they do not make the playoffs yet again. Because we know they have the offensive talent and they have the defensive talent, it feels like. It just comes down to the pitching. And there's good names in the bullpen too. It just comes down to putting it all together. Um, And yeah, I think there's still work to be done. It feels like every move that's happened so far, the team that made the move still has work to be done this offseason. No no one should feel happy yet. And that makes sense because there's still so many free agents on the board, so many trades to still be made. A lot of players opted out of their uh, player options. So, so much, uh, so many possibilities for all these teams that are still waiting to make themselves better. I mean, all these teams that just hired coaches, we know the next step. Now they're going to focus all in on who is available to add to the roster next season but anything else travis yeah definitely feels like no one's really made that critical move to you know put them in a better position to win their division or to make a big impact in in a, in a playoff setting so that's what that, that's one thing i'll add as well you know the phillies uh basically are at the same position as they were last year now they have Aaron Nola on a, you know, an extension. So now they have him for more years, but they still have the same exact team as they had last year that lost in game seven of the national league championship series. So what will they do to improve upon that team? If they do want to make any more moves, but uh, we'll stay in the division, Alex, one guy I want to highlight that uh, was kind of an interesting and surprising news, but we've been talking about him for at least the last couple of months, but that's Brandon Woodruff. He was, um, I don't know what the word is, but uh, basically, Alex, he's a free agent now. Uh, He is able to talk to teams and uh, able to sign with the team. We know he's not going to pitch at all in the 2024 season, most likely. So he'd be someone that you'd use for 2025, I believe. But where do you see him going? What kind of team do you see going after a Brandon Woodruff? Do you see a team that's ready to compete right now? Do you see a team that's in the rebuilding stage looking to get a Brandon Woodruff, knowing that he will not pitch in 2024? What does that contract look like? Do you have any input, at least on uh, on his status and, and what you think uh, may happen with him? Yeah, I if I'm not mistaken, I think he might be a free agent after this coming season. I'm not 100, percent but it looks like here on fan, on uh, Baseball Reference it says free agent 2025. If that's the case, Travis, I think that there must be an inkling of hope that he uh, ends up being able to pitch at some point at the end of this season or maybe in the playoffs. Obviously, I'm not too sure about this, um, but the Brewers did non-tender him, just meaning they decided just to not uh, not not to continue with his contract. And that's something, that's something that they can do for him. They never had like a, a legitimate extension um, beyond just his, you know, his beginning deal. Uh, and now, Travis, he's already 30 or is he going on 31? I think he is he, he's, pretty close to 30 he's, at least. He's, he's 30. He'll be 31 during the season next year um, before the season in February. So, uh, Travis, I think Woodruff is a guy who has a lot of potential to impact the team next year if he is able to come back before the season ends. Um, but it is interesting, this weird spot where, you know, when you have an injury you're trying to rehab from and you're not really locked into a team, it can probably be tough. And I I have some sympathy for him. Obviously, he probably has the, the money and the resources to figure out a way to train and rehab effectively. But, you know, kind of getting cut dry by the Brewers while you're trying to rehab an injury that you got while trying to help the Brewers win games, it's probably a tough spot. So... I hope that he can rehab uh, as quickly as possible. It'd be awesome to see him make some sort of comeback to a team. Uh, I really don't know what a team would pay him. He's just a free agent now. And um, you obviously can get him on that longer term deal now yeah. because he uh, is just a complete free agent. But the the fact, the fact that the Brewers um, weren't sure about if he'd be able to come back or not and just decided to cut cut their losses it's pretty surprising and i think that um because now you're letting a guy that is you know cy young worthy just walk and and you're you're cutting your losses there and it's surprising you couldn't get anything in return yeah like some team could have just traded for him and tried to extend them right yeah Yeah. and then they could have given you like at least some prospect but i obviously they try i'm sure they tried that and couldn't make it happen but 
we both know how good Woodruff is and we think very highly of his upside. But like last year, Travis, 67 innings pitched. And this year, if he does pitch, it will not be that many innings at all. So um, there's obviously health concerns. So the contract he gets, um, I really don't know. I think he's probably going to be pursuing a deal because you almost you almost could do a situation where it's like, let's kind of wait and see what pitchers get in the market and let's go ahead and kind of wait and see. And maybe we'll even wait until the season starts because I'm just going to be rehabbing. But I don't know. I feel like no, I feel like in his situation, if you get offered a decent amount of guaranteed money, you just take that, right? Because who knows what you're going to be like on the other end of this rehab, obviously hoping he ends up being the same guy he was before the, before the injury. But um, you know, you can't count your chickens before they uh, hatch. So and maybe it's something like, uh, a two-year option or a two-year deal where, you know, the first year you're hurt and the second year you need to prove it, you know, that kind of contract where you're not signing for the long term. It's could be, it could be good for both parties because if he does very well, then, Hey, let's go out there and extend him and re-sign him back. Or if, again, if he's doing really well, we can trade him for prospects in the future. I kind of like some of those options that teams will, will pursue, but also, Hey, maybe want to pay him less AAV, and give him a you know a, a five or a four year deal where we're not paying him as much per season, and we know that uh, that he's going to be here for at least the the rest of his prime, I would say, or at least until he's thirty thirty or thirty five thirty six, um, and then we can at least be comfortable with uh, with letting him go then, or you know things could happen in the future. But uh, I, I could see three of those different options happening for uh for a major league team but if it would feel weird if he is a free agent all year alex and just kind of is out of baseball for a year and we don't really hear his name until next offseason that'd be pretty uh be pretty interesting but uh yeah that would be tough but uh i guess last guy we'll talk about alex the big one that not the big one in the free agency but uh uh could be big for this team who knows but uh paul de young uh signs with the uh, chicago white Sox. is that the move that moves them to the division title alex i'll ask you that question World Series champs lock it in. No, I think I think as a replacement for Tim Anderson, it's just like an affordable option that will probably give you the same amount of impact as Anderson last year. Anderson had a bad year. More power at least should be expected. You, you're yeah. getting more power almost certainly. You're probably getting a lot more swing and miss. And, you know, I would assume the defense is better than Anderson's, who usually is not very solid. But um, at the end of the day, Travis, this just feels like a – it feels like a not, not, not a white flag, but they're pretty much saying we're not going to re-sign Anderson. Yeah. So we just need the middle infielder to, to to we can definitely have on the big league roster to guarantee us some innings, even if he doesn't play that well. We just need someone who can play the position, and he can do that. And what does that even? What do you make of this White Sox organization, Alex? I mean, we, I, I think they're going to I think they're going to tank this year. I mean, but like four years ago. We were talking about all these prospects. I mean, when they were in the, you know, I think it was the wild card round in 2020 when they played the Oakland A's, and I think they they lost that in three games. But they had so much excite, excitement in the players. I mean, Daniel Cease was coming up. They had Luis Robert, who was just a absolute star in the making. You had Eloy Jimenez, whose power was unbelievable. So many other guys I know I'm blanking on now, but there's so many young guys that we were talking about. I know... Um, uh, Vaughn, I'm trying to think of his first name. Um, is it Alex Vaughn? No, that doesn't no, sound right. That doesn't sound right. I was going to say Vince Vaughn. That's Mo. someone else. <laughs> Anyways, Vaughn, who was playing first base and also corner outfield for the White Sox, he really hasn't put it all together. But I mean, I think he and Vaughn was a guy that was, I think, a top five or 10. Andrew top, Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn. There we go. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, who was a, uh, a top uh, prospect and uh, also was, uh, I think, what, a top 10 uh, draft pick. But it's just I don't know. It's 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 it sucked to be a White Sox fan. That's all I'm gonna say right now because you you had this rebuild that you did not make the playoffs for so many years, and you said okay, we're gonna commit to this rebuild. And then starting in 2020, the start of the new decade, it's gonna be the White Sox. Uh, it's gonna be the White Sox decade. You know they have um, also I'm blanking on the name. The uh, damn starting pitcher, Kopech. Uh, Kopech, yes, Kopech. Dylan Cease, a couple other names out there, but it's just, it hasn't gone their way. And I, it's frustrating for at least being a baseball fan to just think about an organization, you know, going down that path. And, you know, I, as an Angels fan, we have it pretty, we have a pretty unique uh, pain, (laughs) I would say. But uh, 
you know, being a White Sox fan, you waited for this opportunity. You had so many great pieces. You had so many free agents that you whiffed on. I mean, I know they were in talks with Machado. They were in talks with um, they were in talks with Bryce Harper. And they said, you know, what? we're going to keep with uh, we're going to keep going with Yohan Moncada. We're, we're committed to him. And he hasn't really gone to he hasn't gone to full superstar status is what I'll say. But um, what do you make of it, Alex? What do you make of the organization? I mean, again, I, I, I I'm with you They're, They should and they will tank this year. But it just it just doesn't seem like anything's happening. Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot. Definitely. I would be, you know, if I was in charge, Travis, I talk about I talk about it a lot where I like it when a team just picks a direction. If you're going to try to win, go all in. If you're going to try to tank, go ahead and tank and actually commit to it. And I think they need to commit to a tank. I don't see this core uh, rising to the top. I think they kind of know that. I think that's why they're, you know, Anderson had a bad year. They're letting him walk. They let Abreu walk. Moncada, um, Travis, he had definitely had some really good years. He's also had some years that... Um, just kind of show uh, an incomplete player or a player that just not really a cornerstone for this team. I think the only cornerstone they really have in terms of uh, offensive players is Luis Robert Travis. If I were them, I would try to trade him. I think that he's, I mean, he's already 26 years old. Um, he's a free agent in, I think, two seasons. So he'll have two more seasons on this deal. This is the time to trade him. You don't want to wait till there's one year left. I mean, I guess he'll sell jerseys and tickets, but I think you want to get as much as you can from him as possible. Yep. And I think that, um, Charles, imagine what like the Padres would give you for trading for this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, name any team that wants to compete that doesn't want to give out a huge, a huge uh, dollar amount, you know, on a free agent. Uh, and they'll, they'll, maybe maybe the Padres will give you Grisham, two of their top five prospects and um a couple other role players and like mm -hmm. you know that could be a move where you build around you know the next generation and it kind of sucks because you just did that right you just you just put all your resources into the current generation but travis when you're making decisions you cannot think about what you have done mm -hmm. you have to kind of consider where you're at now and yes it sucks you poured all this time and resources and effort into the current uh vision of what you could have been the last couple of seasons but that's behind us and you have to really kind of look forwards and say you know who is on our roster what's the best direction what's the best path i think the best path would be to trade a guy like robert i would trade cease you can get a definitely a good amount i mean yeah what, what would the orioles give you for cease yeah yeah orioles would give you one of their top prospects it's been whispered at least right now one of their young guys the dodgers will give you one of their young top prospects a lot of teams could use a guy like dylan cease a lot of teams could use uh, a stud center fielder like Luis Robert, who can do it on both sides of the ball. I think that um, they have these chips they could trade, and there's no reason to hold on to them for a couple seasons, hoping you make the playoffs. Charles, we've been wrong on this stuff before. I don't think any of us. I think I was telling. I think I was telling the Diamondbacks to trade Christian Walker like in the middle of last season when they were like at the <laughs> yeah. deadline, and they go on to make the World Series. So I don't know everything, but if I had to make decisions tough decisions uh i would try to make sure i didn't know half measures i would go full measures yeah. i think it's a good time to try to move on from some of these guys that can give you really really big returns uh on the free on the on the trade block you mentioned vaughn as well i think he has a lot more upside than he showed i would maybe hold on to him for a year see if you can maybe flip him after a breakout year not sure how much longer he has on his current deal but yeah, I would, I would figure out a way to establish a young core that you're excited about. I think that's the best path the best path forward. Um, I like these guys on their team, the top guys. I, I like Mankata, even though he hasn't performed every single season. Um, but yeah, I think there's too many holes in the team. They have some young, younger, exciting players, but not enough. And, and, you know, the moves that they made to try to make this current core a winning core, I can't knock them. They... Gave a lot of money to Liam Hendricks. When he's been healthy, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball. Um, they went and got Yasmani Grandal. He is someone, Travis, who I think when they got him was the best catcher in baseball, if not the second best behind JT Real Muto. Um, he had a great defensive resume. He was elite when it came to uh, drawing walks and also had great pop. That being said... These contracts haven't really panned out, right? Grandal really tapered off last season, even season before, not amazing at the plate. And then you look at a guy like Hendricks, 
obviously lots of off the field issues um, with his health that we're so glad he is, you know, healthy from cancer and, and, and that that treatment went, went, went well for him, but now he's injured uh, for a baseball related injury. And that's looking like kind of an albatross contract for them as well. So some of these moves they, they made to try to compete, I can't blame them for it, but they're definitely in a tough spot now. And I think you have to cut your losses, try to start a new core, but I'm glad you brought them up. Um, even though, even though DeYoung has nothing to do with this larger conversation, it's kind of shows where they're at, right? They're very okay with just signing a guy who's been below average several seasons as a shortstop and just saying, we'll just add this guy because we need bodies on our team that can play shortstop. And this is one of them. So let's just add him to the team and not really focused on adding these high. I mean, you don't hear them in any rumors for any of these top uh, guys. And that, that should, that should tell you kind of where their mindset is at right now. No. Yeah. And it sucks that, you know, Luis Robert is going to be 26 in, I'm sorry. He is already he 26. Is 26. Yeah. He's going to be 27 in August. So you got a guy that's young, but uh, it's, the, it's the time of trade. He's almost he's, too old. <laughs> he, he, he's 26. There's two years left in his deal. Yes. There's no reason. I think, I mean, unless you think this problem is going to take two years to fix, uh, unless you think you're going to either a win the world series the next two years or B you're going to extend and make him your franchise player. Kind of like angels extended Mike trout when they weren't really, certain that they'd be contending really soon they want to contend soon but you know if you just say this is going to be our guy for the next decade then i would be okay with that too but you can't just flirt around and say we're going to hold on to him see what happens he's our guy then commit to him or don't or just cut him off and get the most value you can in return and you're going to get the the so far the, the the peak height of his um of his game right now, I would say, because uh, last year he did have, I think it was his career season. So great season. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was something that you got to, you know, it, it's going to, it might suck. It's going to be painful, but I think cutting him, you tell the fans, you have a vision and keeping him, you know, you, you show the fans, Hey, we, uh, we really want to win, but then you go out there and sign Paul DeYoung and you're showing the fans, you know, gotcha. <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, Retire his jersey. That there. uh, yeah, that that covers, I guess, the free oh, agent I, guys. I'm sorry. Any, any ask anyone else you might have that I missed. I, I just should have said this. I was talking about the albatross contracts and the White Sox, Travis guys who they paid too much and they're just kind of not aging well. I should have mentioned the guy who they paid last off season that I have not been. He's high a contact on. guy though, you know. Ben Intendi, Travis is someone who <laughs> I don't know why they. I mean, they had him batting like top three every game. I just don't. I'm not. I'm just not high on him. I don't see him as the guy that they should have offered all that money to. You know. He was he was paid to bat three hundred and he got they got two sixty two. <laughs> yeah, and he's the kind of guy who if he's batting two sixty two, he's not making up for it with the pop. He's not making up for it with the walks. He's not playing elite defense, and it's just kind of a tough spot. So yeah. um I say cut your losses. Travis, you asked about anyone else. No one else especially comes to mind. I think one thing we did not mention was is his name Jake? Bowers, is that the yes, one? yeah. He yeah. was traded from the Yankees to the Brewers. The Brewers Ooh. just love bringing in that's a big um, one. These kind of replacement level How outfielders that one? with some level of upside. Travis, I think when the Brewers go for someone, they obviously see something there. But I mean, I have lost faith in the Brewers when it comes to like they're smart teams that I just will kind of trust blindly. Like when the Rays go and get someone, I'm like that guy's gonna be good. But when the Brewers go and get someone. I used to think that, but now I just don't fully trust. I mean, after the way they went and got Winker and he kind of flopped for them, uh, it kind of makes me lose faith. They went and got Colton Wong. He wasn't that great for them. Overall, I am just of the mindset that they need to add impactful hitters and not just trade for guys like Jake Bowers. Hope Jake Bowers has a great year for them, but I just don't see... um, I just would like to see more, more, yep. more in the way of, of adding impactful pieces. Yeah, it was Jake Bowers for minor league outfielders, Jace Avina and Brian Sanchez. So Yankees adding minor league outfielders for Jake Bowers. Um, I guess it's a win for the Yankees. I don't know. They're going <laughs> to both, both teams kind of look at it as like, all right, cool. Yankees are going to add outfielders um, in the offseason. I'm almost positive. So losing Bowers is probably not the end of the world for them, even though I think there was some level of, of upside there, but Travis, that's all I have for this episode. Everything else, yeah. Um, 
Next episode, Travis, we're going to dive into our all MLB teams for the season. You and I will debate who we have, the best at each position, the best um, pitchers, hitters, uh, best uh, Cy Young. We'll pick our, our personal Cy Young MVP, Rookie of the Year votes, our player of the season, all that kind of good stuff. It's going to be fun. Um, and then Travis will also, of course, be reacting to any new news. That I, by next episode, I'm certain there'll be something splashier yes. than what we've seen so far. Um, I, I, I can't wait to finally see some of the big chips being moved. I can't wait for the first big trade to happen. I'm all ready for the offseason to fully kind of kick off. Um, when, when the winter meetings come around, we'll be all over it. So if you made it this far, we thank you so much, as always, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>